Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. How many of you this Christmas are going to be uh, spending some time with some family members or extended family members? Raise your hand. Okay, good. How many of you uh, this Christmas might be spending some time, one or two possibly, with some dysfunctional family members? Raise your hand. How many of you can't raise your hand because they're sitting next to you? (laughs) Somebody raises his hand. You know, every, every, family, every family unit has some bit of dis- dysfunction, for sure. In fact, I think a, a proper definition of a dysfunctional family is any family with more than one person in it, right? Because we all have a measure of that in our own lives. Our families can be sources of great joy, and they can be sources of pain. And so this Christmas, you're going to gather together, and we're going to spend some time. We're going to un- undoubtedly have some... Some great times, a lot of laughs, some, so a lot of joy, you know, some uh, precious tender moments, but I suppose there will also be some longing for wholeness in your family as well. Amen? Christmas is complicated sometimes. It's complicated when you lose loved ones and they're no longer sitting around the table, that makes it complicated and difficult. But it gets even more complicated when there are people that you don't see on a regular basis that are your, they're your family members and they come around and all of a sudden you're needing to interact with them. And maybe there's a little bit of dysfunction going on there, right? And so I tend to think of Christmas for, for many of us, maybe not all of us, but for many of us in two different categories. Either you're having a, a Jerry Springer type of Christmas, if you know who Jerry Springer is. Some of you know who he is. He's been out of syndication for some time, so you may not, know, may not know who he is, but you might have a Jerry Springer type of Christmas where basically everybody's like, hey, it's, we're in for ourselves. We're just here to air our griefs against each other, basically. We're just going to keep it real. We're going to talk about what we think and what we feel. It's just going to come straight to our mind. We're going to say it out loud, and there's going to be all kinds of explosions going on, you know, and, and so you're sitting around the dinner table, and somebody makes this sarcastic remark, mom, could you have not put any more onions? in this casserole and mom is just like she's already had it so she goes from zero to 60 in 2.2 seconds and before long there's this anger steams coming out of her ears and you start hearing around the table Jerry 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 like everybody's like let's let's get this fight on let's see it you know that's that happens in some families maybe not in your family maybe it's not that animated but I think what we typically see is more of a Gucci type of Christmas and that's when we get a, a mountain of expensive gifts and fried turkeys and pumpkin pies. And we ha- bring all of that to the table to somehow allow us to avoid having some difficult or, you know, pene- penetrating conversations and dealing with real issues. And so you end up replacing quality of relationships with just wrapping paper and calories. And I don't know how your Christmas is going to be. I don't know exactly what, what it's like. Maybe it's neither one of those. Maybe you actually have a very pleasant, loving Christmas. But there are some people that don't. And Jesus actually offers us some advice in Luke chapter 14. 
I want you to notice how this stands in contrast to, to what the world oftentimes gives us. Jesus has been invited to this party. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's invited to this party. He gets there. I don't know if this is a party around the holidays, but none, nonetheless, it's a party. He gets there. He looks around. And he sees a, a little bit of dysfunction in a room. And this is what he says. Verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. So clearly Jesus is telling you that if you have some dysfunction in your family, just don't invite them to, to Christmas, right? You're all quiet, like some of you secretly are like pulling out your cell phone saying, texting Uncle Bob, Bob, Jesus says you can't come to Christmas this year, you know, because Jesus just told him, don't invite them, right? And he goes on, he says, if you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. So Jesus is not really here communicating, don't invite your relatives over. He's making this broader point about how we care for people, how we show hospitality, how we lean into family members. That may, there may be a little bit of dysfunction, but how we lean into that and we do the right thing. Like if you're gonna show hospitality, if you're gonna do something nice, always do it in such a way that they can't pay you back. This is really what Jesus is talking about that we have a little bit of an attitude change on how we deal with our family members. Essentially, he's saying, give with no expectation of return. And I think this is really the message of the Christmas story, right? To give with no expectation of return. You and I are invited to do that on an everyday basis, not just in, in December, but December is a great opportunity to basically exemplify the Christmas story and to give with no expectation of, re of return. God gives us an opportunity to give to our families, to love our families, to be fully present with them, to interact with them at a, at a level of compassion and caring. That's what God invites you and I to do this, this Christmas season. And so this is what we're inviting you to do today, right? I'm sure there's someone that you may be, you're not looking forward to seeing them. Like they've hurt you in some way and you just don't want to see them. And so maybe this Christmas, the Lord can begin to adjust our attitudes and help us to really press into that relationship and maybe bring about restoration and healing to our dysfunctional family. So Christmas can be, you know, you can in a nutshell talk about Christmas as three different events. Travel, like you travel somewhere for Christmas. Sometimes you travel somewhere for Christmas. Sometimes they come to your house, but there's some kind of travel involved. And then a, a second event that happens around Christmas time is food, right? A meal. You sit around a table. You have this special meal that's prepared. And then the third event that happens around Christmas is gift giving, okay? Everybody tracking with me? That's kind of the main things that happen during Christmas. There's a lot of other stuff that happens in between, but for the most part, those are the big three events. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage us today in those three areas how we can be more fully present for our family, how we can actually really engage our family and maybe bring healing to our family and restoration to our family. So the first one is the drive. And what I would say while you're driving or whether somebody's coming to you for you to work on curbing your unenthusiasm. Right? I mean, <clears throat> travel can sometimes be filled with expectation, but it can also be filled with a lot of dread. And so what I want to encourage you to do is treat travel time as an occasion to prepare your heart 
Like you're going there, you know you're going to see somebody you don't want to see, but you're going there and you're going to say to yourself, Jesus, help me. Help me to interact with my family in a way that you would be honored, that you would be glorified, right? I remember my, one of my earliest memories of Christmas, um, traveling in Christmas, was uh, when my mother would tell us on Christmas Eve, this is a, a routine every year, was to, on Christmas Eve, to go to Doña Minta's house. And we always went kicking and screaming to Doña Minta's house when we were young. I have a picture here, actually, of when we were kids. Uh, th- this is before my, my brother Jaime and Norman were born, but uh, this is the older three brothers. And, uh, and don't we look so enthusiastic to be with Santa? I mean, it's just such an exciting time, you know? And my mom would do this. Now, this is not the event I'm talking about. I, I remember we'd go to Doña Minta's house, and my mom would dress us up in these matching outfits, I was looking for that, a picture of those matching outfits. It was like these Wrangler blue jeans and this polyester, like no wrinkle type of shirt with a clip-on tie. All three of us, you know. You imagine Alan, you have to know my brother Alan to know that tie didn't last very long. I mean, it was gone before he even left the house, you know. But it, nonetheless, my mom tried, right, to make us all look the same. And so we'd, we'd head off to Doña Minta's house kicking and screaming because we didn't want to go. We were the only kids that would be there. Everybody else would just be adults. And then my mom would take us into the living room of Doña Minta's house, and there'd be this couch that she had. It wasn't a regular couch. It was, all, it was like a wood-framed couch that had these cushions that were still wrapped in, a, a, like, plastic, you know. And my mom, my mom would sit us on the couch and say, okay, you sit here, be still, do not get up, and behave, you know. And so we'd sit there, and all we do is just all day long see Adults drinking rum and coke and dancing. <laughs> That's what we, that, was our, that was our Christmas Eve at Doña Minta's house. Occasionally some little tipsy relative would walk up and pinch Alan's cheek because he was blonde-headed. They just loved to see his blonde hair. They'd pinch his cheek and he'd fight it, you know, and, and, he'd, and they'd say, oh, Irene, they're so cute. That's my mom, Irene. They're so cute and they're so, so well-behaved. And man, if they just, she just, if they just knew, you know, the, the reality of all. We, we hated going to Doña Minta's house. And she would... My mom would say it, and I mean, we were doing everything we can to get out of it, right? <clears throat> Finally, you know, my mom's ultimate goal was just to be able to get there and for us to get home with all of our clothes on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Travel time around the holidays can be challenging, or at least mind-numbing. But this year, would you sanctify your drive there? Sanctify is just another word for making it holy. Will you pause a second and just say, God, will you help me to interact with my family members? Will you step into my life and give me courage, give me wisdom? Just help me, Father, to to engage them in a way that would honor you. Decide that ahead of time, right? I like how... The Apostle Paul in Romans 15 gives us a little prayer of unity. He says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to this next part. Accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So Paul's telling us here he, that God gives us encouragement, he gives us endurance so, we can, so that we can pursue unity. Like unity is the goal here, right? 
But he says there is something that we have to do to have that. And that is to accept one another just as we have been accepted. That's the challenging part for us, isn't it? Now, when we talk about accepting another person, does it mean to forget about all the damage that they've done in our family? Does it mean you just condone all their behavior? No. But the answer to accept one another is in what Paul says. It's as you have been accepted, just as you have been accepted. I don't know if you get this. I don't know if you understand this, but you know that when you came to Christ, you came as is. As is. That term as is, we love, it's a beloved term in the, in the commercial world, right? We love that term when we go shopping and we see a sign that says as, I don't know what it is that attracts us to the as is sign at a store, like Walmart or Target, like as is, what does that mean? You know, but we'll go there, right? I especially like when I see a, thing, a little tag that says as is in the Lowe's tools, the tool department. Okay, what's, uh, now I'll, I'll investigate, I wanna see what's wrong, but as is, right? It's a euphemism. It's a way for the, for the store to tell you, hey, this item right here comes as is. That means that there's a defect. There's some, there's some damage to it. There's something that's wrong. And maybe it's got a little stain. Maybe the button's broken. And it's up to you to find the defect. It's up to you to discern what the problem is with this thing. So that when you take it home and you ultimately find out what's wrong with this thing, you cannot come back to the store and say, hey, why is this broken? Why did this happen? There's no refunds, no exchange, no apologies. You bought it as is. Now, we understand that in the commercial world, right? We understand it in the, in, in the shopping arena. <clears throat> but I want you to understand something this Christmas. Every time somebody walks through the doors at your Christmas party, your family party, they walk through the doors as is. There's a little label on them that says, I'm a little bit irregular. I'm a little bit off. I have some issues. Some of those signs say I'm prone to be defensive. I tend to know it all. I can't help but hurt the people that I love. I drink because I'm lonely they walk through the doors as is. And Paul invites us, he challenges us, he challenges us to love them just as Christ has loved us, to accept them just as Christ has loved us, right? See, it wasn't hard for Jesus when he saw you to find the blemishes in your life. He gave his life, he died on a cross so you could have forgiveness and you came to him as is. And so one day when he f- discovered you, when you found him, or we say we found him, but he actually finds us, when, when we finally got found by Christ, he said to you, to me, he says, I want that one as is. With all of its blemishes, with all of its failures, with all of its, I take that one. No refunds, no exchange, I want that one. That's what it means that Christ has accepted you and I. Paul invites us to accept one another that way. I know this is hard. I know it's hard. Because sometimes it feels like we're just turning a blind eye to their faults. We're making excuses for their behavior. But what Paul's actually telling us is that we need to love them and let go of the need 
Let go of the need to condemn or to judge. Let go of the need to, to control them, to expect them to live up to certain, certain standards. Just accept them just as we have been accepted, right? And so my recommendation is do this in the car on the way there. Lord, help me to accept that relative. You might actually have somebody in mind. Or it might just be the whole thing. Maybe it's the whole thing. You just show up and you're like, yeah, I got to get this thing over with, right? What if on the way you just pray, God, help me to be light in this place. Help me, Father, to accept them as you've accepted me. The second event is the dinner table. Now, what I would say about the dinner table is that just pass the salt. Pass the salt. I don't know exactly how your dinner table looks, but for most of us, it's buckling, the table's buckling under the weight of food, right? You can probably feed a small country with it. And you're going to be sitting around, there's going to be all kinds of discussions, there's going to be all kinds of conversations around there. Uh, It's funny because I have some in-laws that are from Louisiana, and they have interesting conversations. My wife, has, her eyes perked up as I said that. So what are you going to say about my brothers and sisters? <laughs> Just need to say, all I need to say is that they're from Louisiana, and most of them all the time wear camo, um, even the girls. And it's true. And she's looking at me like, yes, with a big smile. Don't say any more about my family. Um, <laughs> But we have some interesting conversations sometimes around the table. Mostly it circles, circles around like these conspiracy theories like Twitter has teamed up with the Church of Satan to rob me of my Second Amendment rights to bear, bear, bear arms, you know, or something like that, you know. That's what it kind of boils down to with, with my in-laws, you know. So there's going to be all kinds of crazy conversations around the table, right? What would those conversations be for you? Like what will you be talking about? And will it be the case that you're going to leave your time together as a family and have no conversation of any kind of consequence with them? That you'll talk about a lot of things, but nothing of really profound, nothing profound, nothing deep. That you'll leave really not knowing how they're doing. So God wants to use us as ministers of the gospel to minister to our families this Christmas. And I realize that for some of you that sounds completely crazy. You don't know how you're going to possibly do that, but God wants to use you this year. He has work for you to do. Are you hearing me? He has work for you to do with your family members. Some of us come from irreligious families, and so you, know, you sit around the table, and there's, there's, it's obvious there are people sitting around that table that need Jesus. They, they don't, you know, they're not, they're, not, they're not hiding anything. They're just being who they are, and it's obvious that they need Christ, and you're there. Others of you, you grew up in a Christian home and, and your, your Christmas dinner is more kind of Christianized in many ways, but undoubtedly there's going to be a couple of family members that are there that are secretly holding something back. They're struggling. Their, their faith is shaken. And so God is sending you this Christmas as an envoy, as a pastor. He's, he's sending you as an instrument of his grace. So we be present for that. I like what Matthew tells us in Matthew 5. says Jesus saying this actually in Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. <clears throat> Jesus is telling you, I call each of you to live out your faith in such a way that you bring seasoning to the relationships that you're in. That you bring flavor to the relationships that you're in. 
That's what you and I have been, invite, have been invited into. It's to be salt and light to the world around us, and particularly this Christmas, to your friends and family that are gonna be gathering with you around, Christmas, around the Christmas table. I think something that oftentimes hinders us from doing that, though, is that we have these mental images, right, of our family members. Like these images that are frozen in time. Right? And so in our mind, he's that pesky brother, right? But he's 55 years old now, and he's not acted like that in so, such a long time. Or, or you know, you know he's, dad just seems to always overreact on everything, and dad hasn't overreacted in years. Or your sister just seems to be that prodigal. She's just always doing the bad stuff, and she's been sober for 10 years, and she's really trying hard now. And so the question is, what time-bound boxes have you put your family members in? Will those images that you have of your family keep you from having any real conversation with them? Does it limit you in how much you'll show concern and care for them? Does it keep you from putting your hand on their shoulder and praying for them this Christmas? You'll have an opportunity. I like how Paul tells us in, in Colossians 4. He says, make the most of every opportunity. And then he goes on. What does that mean? Let your conversation be always full of grace Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Full of grace, season with salt. This year at the table, when the opportunity arises to have a conversation with a loved one, just pass them the salt. Be salt and light to them. Amen? The last one is gift giving, and here's what I would say about that. Give the, the greatest gift. Now, before I get into talking about the greatest gift and gift giving, there is something I need to talk about that is a, is a problem in our society and that is the, the practice of regifting. I mean, you're like, what are you talking about, Rich? <clears throat> Have you ever been regifted before? I mean, okay, and honestly, just don't raise your hand just in case the person sitting next to you. Have you ever opened up the gift and said, wait a minute, I saw this. Oops. I saw this uh, last year at the staff Christmas party. <laughs> Or, you know, at our sectional Christmas party. Like, I promise, I, I got this at our sectional Christmas party, our minister's sectional, I got these socks that are chicken legs. Somebody, somebody's going to get it next year, right? <laughs> uh, statistically, 25% of Americans are going to actually re-gift this Christmas. I know that none of you here, you know, you guys are way too good of Christians to ever do something so, ter so terrible as that. But, but what do you do with these gifts? Like what, when you get a gift that you don't really like, somebody pulled it out of the basement, they basically wrapped it up and gave it to you. What do you do with those kind of gifts, right? Well, you know, like I said, you, there's a party coming up, you know, it's, your, it's your, your office Christmas party or whatever, and you decide, hey, I need to do something. So I have, a, I have this gift that I'm thinking about giving to Chris Carey. It's right here. Uh, he's one of our pastors here on staff. He really needs this. Like, Chris would finally be the man that I want him to be. No, right? And I know Anna would love this. If, especially if he wore it in public. Yeah, let's get rid of that thing. <laughs> Listen, there's going to be this moment where we're sitting around the tree and we're exchanging gifts. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a very warm, tender moment. There's going to be a lot of satisfaction in the room. 
I mean, gift giving is a great way to express your love and, and care for, for your friends and family, but I'm going to ask you, would you consider adding one more gift to that list? Probably the greatest gift that you can ever give to anybody, and that is would you give the gift of forgiveness? Now, I realize that some of you were like enjoying this message until just now. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> Rich, you just used the F word. <laughs> because for some of you, you're going to get together with family members. There's going to be somebody there. There's going to be somebody there that hurt you. Somebody that made fun of you when you were a kid, just taunted you when you were a kid, and that memory is still there. Or somebody who actually injured the family in a significant way, and, and that's, that's just... Uh, it's just present, it's just there. You're holding bitterness in your heart against them. And you know that giving them the gift of forgiveness would, would take a miracle of biblical proportions for you to do that. So here's what I would encourage you to do then. If that's difficult for you, then maybe you can re-gift forgiveness. I know that sounds a little weird, what I'm just saying, because I'm asking you to forgive, but then it seems hard to do that because when we think about forgiving somebody, we're thinking about everything that they have done that we somehow know they need to erase out of our mind. And that feels very difficult, maybe even impossible. But maybe you can think of it this way as regifting forgiveness. Think about what God did for you. God gave himself as an act of forgiveness for you. <clears throat> way before you could have even asked for it, he gave love, he gave care, he gave forgiveness to you. You received it because, well, you had no other choice. You were unworthy of it anyways. It was his grace being extended to you, and so he forgave you. And so what I'm simply asking you to do is just repackage what you have received. And just as you have received it, you give it back to somebody else, particularly those people who maybe have hurt you, right? I don't remember the last time I've read John 3.16 in one of my sermons, but I think there's probably no better verse that encapsulates Christmas like John 3.16. In fact, I'm going to ask us all to stand. We're going to read this together. <clears throat> this uh, really encapsulates the Christmas story. I love it. It says, For God so loved the world, notice this, I'm going to, we're going to read this together in a second, but I'm going to just say this comment real quick. For God so loved the world means that, that way before you had the ability of loving him back or even understanding your need for God, he loved you. He loved you and he gave himself for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this together, okay? And you can read along with me. It's right there on the screen. You can read along with me. Those of you in our campus, Cedar Rapids and Wilton, you can read along as well. Okay, ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave a gift at Christmas for you and I, a gift of forgiveness. You were the recipient of one of the most lavish gifts ever given to humanity. You and I have received that. Your sins were wiped clean by the blood of Christ. You have received the gift of forgiveness so why don't we give that to those, of our, to those around us, especially our family members? 
So this Christmas, you're going to be traveling, maybe. You'll be sitting around a dinner table having conversations. You'll be sitting around a tree possibly giving out gifts. What if we just simply started today and said, God, help me have the right attitude this Christmas to love those people in my family, especially those weird ones in my family, to love them the way you have loved me. What if what we did is we invited the presence of God this Christmas like never before and that we decide that this Christmas is going to be different than any other Christmas before? Like where we would get together and we'd have either the Jerry Springer Christmas, the Gucci Christmas, or we just have our own version of it. And then we just went home and we did our own thing and we just kind of forgot about those people. What if this is the beginning of something brand new? I want to end by, by reading one last verse to you. And ironically, it's the very last verse in the Old Testament. The, the prophet Malachi is being asked a question. What, who is this Messiah? What would he look like? How will we know he's coming? That's the question he's trying to answer, right? And this is what he says. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Of all things that Malachi could say about the Messiah, he says, this is how you will know him. You'll know him by how he brings families back together. That's how you'll know the Messiah. That's how you will know this Christmas that Jesus is in the house during Christmas Day. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. God wants to do some, something powerful in your life this year. I know that. And it starts this Christmas season. Amen? Amen. Father, just want to thank you for who you are, for what you're doing in this place. Father, we have, we have talked about our attitudes today, Lord, of how we are to uh, adjust our attitudes towards people in our family that we don't necessarily always get along with. Maybe they have hurt us. Maybe they live a life that's not necessarily what we agree with. Maybe, Lord, um, maybe, Lord, we just don't want to have a relationship with them because of other, other circumstances in their life that just seem to pull us apart. But God, this year you're calling us, you're inviting us into a different type of Christmas, one that glorifies you. Will you help us, Lord, to accept one another just as you have accepted us? Father, we came to you as is, and Lord, they will come this Christmas as is. Will you help us to accept them? Will you help us to forgive them? I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this place. And Lord, I know that you're speaking to individuals, Lord, in just d different ways. I know that there are individuals in this room that are hurt because of what a family member has done. I know there are individuals in this room that are distant from family members because of past. But we're asking God for healing and for restoration this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.